Welcome to Paddy Talks, brought to you thanks to Seed Golf Balls, who delivered you affordable to a performance, same performance, half the price. Check them out at www.seedgolf.com and try them today. Thank you for present play. On today's show, we have a gentleman I have known for quite a few years, have gotten some golf lessons from him, uh, Mr. David Keating, PGA, joins us today for a chat. But first, as Gabe Byrne would say, roll it there, Colette. Because we're going to be legends. I mean, listen, we're talking about Joe Bradley told us the production line was finished in Kerry. Well, Joe Bradley, what do you think of that? Solomon Donovan is the left cornerback. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Oh, holy Moses. It's all on this. Here it comes. Before we get into the actual conversation I had with David Keating, we've been trying to have this chat for a few weeks, actually. It's all around discussing strategies for growing and retaining numbers of golfers, especially junior golfers in the country of Ireland, that these ideas aren't currently being mentioned in golfing circles. They're more around basic issues, which which perhaps, well, for what we can see, have not been flagged by anyone in Ireland. Ireland. David Keating, he's a man I've known for a few years now. He's actually coaching in Ireland's two main cities, Cork and Dublin, based in Spowell Golf Academy on Mondays and Tuesdays, and in the fabulous Cork Golf Centre on Thursdays and Fridays. He's been coaching golfers for over 28 years, spent 11 years as head professional in Clarny Golf and Fishing Club when they had the Irish Opens as well. Also head professionals of Charleville Golf Club for um, nigh on 10 years there too. He continues to invest in the latest technology and coaching Methods. Davids, he's been an inter-county coach for Cork and Kerry. He's won prestigious awards for club fitting. He's also coached numerous professional and international amateur golfers with a wealth of experience in team coaching and player development. But more recently was crowned PGA Five Star Professional of the Year, um, which is quite an accolade. Uses TrackMan, Capto's 3D putting system and hack motion, all available in Spawell and in the Cork Golf Centre for his pupils. Now, let's get into this little chat. Welcome to Paddy Talks. Thank you all for pressing play. I'm sitting down here in Spavell Golf Centre and I'm with David Keating, also of Cork Golf Centre, and we're going to talk about a load of things. Um, actually, it's almost like David is interviewing me. David Keating, welcome to the show. Padraig, thank you very much. Delighted to be here. I'm not so sure about interviewing you now, but I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to having a good chat with you anyway. So the first thing I think we'll cover is around I suppose the numbers of people playing golf in Ireland and, and where we see that at the moment. Yeah, I suppose, look, there, there's been an awful lot of doom and gloom over the, the last uh, 10 or 12 years in particular, Padraig, and that numbers have, have decreased um, and maybe stabilised at this stage. But I suppose, look, when, when I started playing golf in the, the very early 80s, um, there was a, a lot less playing than what there are now. So we went through a huge growth uh, in the business and golf business i would say realistically when tiger woods came along it really increased things and and, and this side of the atlantic as well as in the united states uh, we probably had a couple of uh, top class players in europe who ignited the game as well sevi ballesteros nick faldo bernhard langer these guys so you know a lot of these fellas when they were world's number one and two they played in irish opens and that and they were on live and rt at the time so it, it exposed the game to an awful lot of people in this country um and it got people like me into the game, definitely. Uh, you know, when when I saw Sevi Ballesteros coming to, to play in Ireland when he was the best player in the game, it definitely ignited an interest, and I think in a lot of people my age as well. So the game has come an awful lot since then, but it just probably took a big dip when, when we uh, hit the recessionary period in 2007, 
towards the end of 2007, 2008, I think things started to slide a little bit. So in terms of numbers of the game playing now, we are five, well not five, we're 10, 11 years on from 2008 now. Um, I work in a tech company in Dublin, I'm 32 years of age, my colleagues will all be in the range of 24 to 35 Gen Xers, Millennials. And given I do this podcast and I wear a lot of golf shirts at work, they're like, oh, like how can I play? Like, and they don't know where to start um, or who to go to. And I suppose the figures online is in around, from I would say the last golf census is what, 135K on, is it? Yeah, yeah well, I suppose, I, I, I would imagine there's, there's probably like close on 200K in the island who actually play. I would think now, we'd have to clarify that. But, you know, if, if you look at Ireland as an island, that's that's a very small percentage of people that are that are playing golf. So it's 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 a game that has huge scope for improvement number wise and we've we've got to get the message out there and i think look we're probably beating ourselves up an awful lot at the moment instead of actually doing things about it and trying to get people into the game and there are a number of areas i suppose where 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 i believe you can get people playing and you know i've, I've mentioned to a good few people that the easiest discipline in golf is is for a, a person who hasn't played is to start putting right and you can you can introduce people to the game through putting and i always felt that look we've got pitch and put courses we've got golf courses wouldn't it be a great idea to have an all-ireland putting championship right and i think it would be a huge way to get people into the game because if 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 i'm in it and i've got a mom or a dad who doesn't play they're they're all capable of putting and even just to get them to have a go in a qualifier at a driving range in a school, in a golf club, in a pitch and put club, it would just bring so many more people into it. I think you've got brilliant putting greens in so many golf clubs in, around the country. And look, let's face it, if you're not a golfer, you haven't been from a, a golfing background, golf clubs can be very intimidating places to, to visit. Not even for those golfers who may be listening to this podcast or, or friends of people and you come across this podcast, like even me as a golfer, right? And I'd be better than average average handicap is 18 so i'm better than average right certainly yeah. is even some golfers to me to go are intimidating you know the likes of the big names like for 10 years i didn't play mount juliet and like i talked to matt about it simply because i was like Jeez, you know it's intimidating it's a big place it's a good golf course i don't want to show myself up here you know will they let me play it now i go down and it's the most engaging you know no problem fire away it is you know, yeah yeah what, yeah what more can we do for you yeah and um, so there is that stigma attached to golf even for people who play golf so like how difficult is it for someone between especially in their teenage years to go above the pulpit and say can i go in there yeah you know, so it's difficult. it is difficult there's no doubt about it and and i suppose you know for 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 all of us that are working in golf we're largely responsible for that as well and maybe traditionally it was the case that it, it was it was a, a sport that was off limits for most people but that shouldn't be the case in the modern world and i think look with with all of the levels of communication you have now with the internet and social media and everything i think we need to get it out there that that they're much more friendly places to to enter into and meet people and they should be family orientated as well and and it's not look not just about playing golf it's about meeting new friends and it's also a brilliant form of exercise it's fantastic and I, I certainly think if the initial barrier is broken if you can get more people through the front gate in any golf facility in the country it's up to the people who are involved in the golf clubs to make sure it's a good experience for them and and that's that's our responsibility 
if they have a nice time there and it's not as intimidating as they've thought it was going to be and they go for a few puts and go for a cup of tea whatever it is I think then you're going to get a lot more people interested in the game no I'm asking and there is like I have a couple of friends who work with the GOI and I think the main aim at the moment for the GOI is, and they've done great work especially the last five years is to make it more engaging and more um, to, to lower that stigma especially for ladies golf yes so they've done massive work but I think there is scope like you're saying for anyone between 5 and 55 who is not from a golfing background you know definitely definitely work to be done there yes absolutely absolutely and I suppose look you've, you've lots of people who play play uh, field sports you know hurling football rugby soccer um, they can't play for those sports forever you I can retired last year, yeah. yeah you retired yeah, yeah I retired many months ago um, but I can tell you it's it's a game that you can play look I one of the most amazing characters that, that I've come across in golf is a lady that, that, that comes here and she comes to me for lessons she's 88 years of age and her aim is to, to get better and she is getting better but she's just an incredible character and is so driven and loves it absolutely loves it now there are a lot of people that could take up the game in their late 60s or even their 70s and enjoy it again we need to do stuff to make it more enjoyable for them i think golf courses have become too long for your average golfer or below average golfer we need to have specific tees to make the game more enjoyable i think if you start hitting more than four shots at your best to try and get onto a par four it's not an enjoyable experience so a number of clubs have have um converted part of their practice facility into little six hole par trees some of them have done very luxurious ones but you can a six hole par tree is a great way to get get people into the game as well and i think for junior golfers at a young age you need shortened courses a uh, uh, six hole par tree is very very good because i think if you if you get you know we're, we're we're really concentrating on young kids trying to get them into the game but if you put yourself in a young kid's shoes who's hitting the ball could do brilliantly and hits the ball 90 yards even from the ladies tee boxes it's it's very difficult for them to get the same enjoyment as they would if they were playing a soccer match or a football match on a, a mini sized pitch and we've missed a trick here as well on top of that okay we lose those people even if we start them off if they if they lose interest because it's just too hard we may get them back and there's an ideal opportunity in in what has transpired to be transition year which is come on stream it wasn't when i was in school i don't know it probably was when you were it was optional I optional yeah yeah, yeah 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 exactly yeah yeah <laughs> but uh, it's it's there now and can you imagine the opportunity that could be given to all of these kids in transition year as part of their their p cycle to to go in and give them the opportunity to learn how to play golf. I would have loved it. I mean, I was I had taken up golf maybe three or four years at that stage, and if I had known, or if the option was there, I suppose that it was a viable option to go work in a pro shop for whatever it is, six weeks ex experience, do that a couple times for the year, even to learn like how a golf club works, so like the timesheets, the coordination, the structure of events, the structure of like a society coming in and managing forty people for an hour yes you know and the intensity that can bring you know absolutely and, and absolutely. afterwards and you know managing the whole event because pro shops don't just you know it's not a transactional thing you know it's it's almost like the sitting room with the golf club for a lot of people well, well it is and i suppose look from the outside in people have a, a certain perception of what the pro shop is but any of the the people who have who've worked on any pro shops i've been involved in when when they've come in they've just said my god this is absolutely completely different to what i thought it was going to be you know they, they can't believe what it's like 
from being inside the counter versus outside it. So the perception versus reality was completely different. But not only working in a golf club or whatever, but uh, but actually taking up the game and, and learning how to swing a club. And I think the the PGA pros in, in in throughout the country, obviously, you know, weather permitting, they're going to be quite busy in the summertime. But in Ireland, it's a downtime in the winter. So wouldn't it be great? Uh, to go in once a week and 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 coach these kids inside in the transition year and explain to them look this game it's it's like learning how to play an instrument but because you're at the age now 15 16 years of age you're going to be strong enough to be able to hit the ball well enough to actually enjoy it versus a six or a seven year old kid who could get demoralized and very interesting fact is uh uh, Nick Faldo, one of the greatest players of all time. The first time he caught a cl- club in his hand, he was 14 years of age. Greg Norman, who became the world's number one, the first time he held a club in his hand was when he was 15 years of age. And indeed, I was speaking to Cormac Sharvin here a number of weeks ago, who's now on the European tour. He started playing golf when he was 15. But an interesting one with Cormac, at 17 years of age, he shot 60. So that was some achievement. Yeah, he'll be on soon. Yeah, exactly. He's a, he's a guy you got to get on. But again, maybe if maybe if Cormac started playing when he was four or five years of age, he might have lost interest and mightn't have come back to it. So he played other sports, hurling and football, and a little bit of pitch and putt. And pitch and putt is a great gateway to golf as well. I played pitch and putt since I was maybe six or seven. Like we went to we went to mass on a Sunday in the scanner and um, Sandhouse Sandfield House is on the way home. So between June to September, my dad would bring the four of us in, and I think we were. Ranged in age from four to eleven, there was four of us. Yeah, you know, we zero golfing background as a family. Good football background though, um, even in North Clare. But yeah, you're able to hurl there as well. But that was it, and I suppose that's where my initial interest in golf was triggered because it was anywhere from twenty-five to seventy yards. So I think as a seven-year-old, you know, and I was a bit of a unit when I was seven as well, um, that I could get there. You know, I made a few pads on the way around. Yeah, with zero instruction, just having fun. Having that's fun. What it was all about. Yeah. We didn't. There was no such thing as when we were finished, oh, what did you score? Do you know? That was, it was. It was like, did you have a good time? Yes. And there's a simple approach there, even for anyone who's coordinating junior members, like Kevin Glynn and Lee Hinch did great work in terms of engaging the local schools, primary schools, um, and getting them in. That was P on a Friday for an assignment in Lee Hinch schools was golf and the castle course. And we all came in, and the first question wasn't, oh, well, how many points did you get? It was, did you have fun? Come on up now, we'll have a quiz and kind of cook. And Mars Baron on nutritional <laughs> nutritionally wise things have improved because a banana and a glass of water now yeah. but it was about engagement we would open have a quiz granted on the rules but it was fun part of a team do you know the answer do you not and then, you know was engagement the whole way through yeah and i think that's good and 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 look maybe an awful lot of kids as well are, are put under pressure to get their handicaps down at a certain age and you know it, that can create a lot of problems as well it puts kids under pressure and, and look we've seen things again where kids walk away from the game if, if they find it a very pressurized thing my firm belief is i'd certainly be keeping handicaps out of it until certainly their teenage years anyway um, I don't see any advantage in, in uh, a nine or a ten-year-old kid playing off nine handicap or eight handicap or seven. It makes no sense in my view. Learn the skills of the game, enjoy it, um, try and try and get a, a good grasp, make make new friends, and uh, just try and get better gradually as you go along. Because it's like in most sports, you know, you, we've seen so many kids in all the different sports. You know, somebody tells you at ten years of age they're going to be unbelievable players, and ten years later they're not even playing it. So that's yeah, that's like a very good golf is, and you see it in like there's a high competition for sport. Like once you're up and walking, whatever your dad or mother played, you're going to play it. You know, 
even growing up I like I pride myself as a good full forward but because my dad played full back well I played full back for five years you know but like there's a high competition for sports so the, I think the advantage golf has is versus being on the soccer team the rugby team the football team if you're not in that first 15 you don't play mm. but in golf you always participate and I think that's the the largest and biggest possible you know key differentiating factor yeah I would agree with you for, yeah. for kids you know? it has that advantage no doubt about it and uh, and that's a big advantage and there's no need to, to overcomplicate things by uh, bringing handicaps into it at a young age and it, it, it certainly overcomplicates it and I, I would never I'd be honest with you I wouldn't judge a player by a handicap anymore at a young age anyway but let them go out there and, and learn the game and, and it, it's, it is like learning how to play a musical instrument you've got to put the time into it and I suppose look you've got ability and talent I think they're mixed up at times um, when I see when I uh, I see a person with, with ability they're able to do things maybe that are a little bit more advanced than, than other people but in my honest opinion opinion talent is is the person who is able to continually do the same thing time and time and time and again to receive to get to that level of excellence and they will pass out the person who earlier on may have appeared to have more ability but the talent is is this is my own, own personal opinion i and i've seen this time and time again it's the person who puts in the slog and keeps repeating and repeating and repeating until they crack the skill and then it doesn't break down. Whereas the, the, the people who, who have this God-given ability early on, a lot of them fall by the wayside because they don't work hard enough at it and they're not disciplined enough for it. And, it, it's, it, as it, and I won't repeat myself too much more, but it is like a musical instrument. If you want to get good at it, you have to keep practicing, practicing the same thing time and time again. And, and I would say to anybody who's playing golf, you don't have to be brilliant at everything, but if you're competent at most areas and you're really good at one, you're gonna be a good golfer. Whether you're a really good putter, a really good chipper, a really good iron player, a really good driver, a really good mentally. If you're really good at one thing and you're reasonably good at the others, you're gonna be able to play golf. And if, if there's one part of the game everybody loves, and you're often told work on your weaknesses of course try and improve your weaknesses but your strength try and make it brilliant if you can and if you look at a lot of the top players in the game okay a guy like tiger woods is brilliant at everything but some of the other top players in the game they're brilliant at maybe one thing and they're good at everything else so don't always just think that you've got to try and bring your weaknesses up your strength make it because that's a unique strength to you really make it brilliant if you can yeah like take take Justin Johnson was it two Christmases ago he must have Santa must have brought a trackman machine because all he did was dial in his wedges his wedges yes and he was number one following the following year's performance now that's because every other part of his game remained at a high level but that somewhat weakens in his game he made it into he just improved one aspect of the game marginally and that could be said for any sport you know it, it, it certainly could and, and it made a big big difference to him and look he based it on statistics and hard work and he, he turned himself around because it, it was a weak area for him brilliant driver of the golf ball um, huge man physically strong as well and I think that's probably uh, another underrated area there and I think this is where it golf could help kids uh, in PE and school as well and that look there, there are a number of things you've got to be uh, to be a reasonably good golfer I think you've got to have strong legs completely underrated you gotta have strong hands. 
and you've got to be able to rotate but if you've got strong hands strong legs and you're able to rotate and turn and you improve your balance you're halfway to becoming a good golfer then and it's overlooked if you look at so many people that are playing golf and their legs are weak the difference it would make to them if they did just a little bit of exercise and things like that. No, massive. Like I don't know anyone who is on Instagram or social media, or if you do use the Google machine, check out Joey D Golf, right? And that's yeah. the stable where Dustin Johnson and Brooks and um, Justin Thomas are in, and uh, Carly Booth, I think, and, and a few others. But basically, his whole approach to to golf is if you have, like you said, strong legs, uh, hands, and mobility, is you'll be a great player. So I think it was actually during um, the Autism certification last year. It was a guy from the Earls Institute, but he was also part of the Joey D setup, and he'd never played golf before. Dan was his name, and um, he'd never played golf before. Started um, doing personal training in Joey D's, and did golf-specific exercises like thoracic spine rotation, single leg balancing, um, throwing the medicine ball into the ground, up in the air, and against the wall and never had a golf lesson went out granted the first day topped it around the place within three months he got given a handicap of six hmm. doesn't surprise me to hear that yeah it just shows how physical the game is and look there 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 are other guys that that have come to the game very late and made a great living out of it there was an american black golfer called calvin pete um just picked up the game at 31 years of age turned himself into a good player but physically i think you have to you have to be stable, strong, and, and mobile, and it, that's good for everybody. That's good for everybody. And I suppose the, I've done a bit of it. There's a fellow called Niels Conway. He's actually part of the setup here in Spagwell now. Yeah. He's also coming to the show. Um, but I went to him last year, and I'd say one of the sole reasons, along with the clubs from Golf Custom, but one of the sole reasons that I've drastically moved my hand again this year is I can just move better move better you can ac actually see it in the videos that you put up online you can see you can see the improvement physically as well you can you know. and look i'll be honest with you i've gone to Niels myself and uh, he's laughing at me because at the start i could hardly tie my shoelaces but uh, he's making massive difference to me as well and uh, you just the rotation you're getting the speed it makes a huge difference so it's a, it's an area that people need to have a, a look at if they want to get more enjoyment and like it's not as if you're going in lifting like brooks kepka now right you're going in and your base is most of its body weight 90% of it is body weight it's simple stuff like lunges squats and maybe holding a few stretches I do it every morning now before I do lift a few weights but definitely before every round of golf now this year 2019 I've done five minutes hmm. of thoracic rotations and a few squats and I don't I haven't double bogeyed the first lap only a couple of times but it used to take me three or four holes to physically okay I'm kind of in motion now but now going up the first, I'm ready to go, and it's pure like five minutes. And tell me, do you do? You, is the stiffness gone when you start off? Do you feel a lot looser because of it? I feel a lot looser, and also around 13, 14, 15, I'm not tightening up either. Hmm. So it's not just oh, I'm loose now to keep going. You've prepped your body for the whole way through. Yeah. So beforehand, you know, because I would have lifted, I would be, I'd have driven maybe an hour or two or. I'd be warm after four holes and then like my body start tightening up yeah maybe 13 14 you know so i'd have a great score great match play golf four through 14 and i'd collapse yeah i know I'd be like, oh, and to be body tired mind tired yeah 
And uh, look, I think, you know, people that are, you know, in their 50s, 60s, 70s, if they spend five minutes a day doing it, it will actually make them feel an awful lot younger as well. That's the thing about it. And they will play better golf. They'll be Everything will, will feel better, I would say, because the stiffness, I think, look, traditionally we've taught that, you know, as you get older, it's old age and all this type of stuff. And, but there's there's no reason for anybody to be stiff now with the expertise that's out there. I've went to a few needs classes. I think he's a few gentlemen and ladies well into their 70s. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. No excuse for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there is an 84-year-old in the world at the moment who plays off scratch. So there's one for you. So yeah. there is hope and, and maybe me as well. <laughs> Go for it. What's next on the list? Um, I suppose, look, th- there are a couple of things that are happening worldwide which are a little bit unusual. And, and uh, in, in South Korea, where there's major growth in, in, uh, in golf at the moment, uh, 80% of of players are coming through into the game through golf simulators where you're they're going indoors and starting to play golf on these simulators and only 20 percent are, are are starting coming through a golf course so because they're so used to playing in a simulator when they go out onto the golf course then they they feel they're ready to go and it's it's a, a huge growth area maybe something like that uh, could be applied here as well who knows but it's an interesting statistic i suppose the disappointing statistic um at the moment in the united states is that only five percent of golfers go for golf lessons which is a very very small number and look it's i, I haven't got a figure for in this country but i i would say we're not much better i'd say not yeah and i think maybe golf lessons the coaching has been transformed definitely in the last 10 years in particular I suppose I'm, I'm one of the fellows who, who started coaching when there was zero technology. Then we moved into uh, cameras. Then we move into the V1 system where you're able to draw all your lines and then a launch monitor and then along came TrackMan. And I think that was the biggest game changer because up to that point, up until the TrackMan arrived, you, you're telling a person they're improving, but they probably are. But if they don't believe it and, 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 and they're doubtful because golfers are, are always, I think, doubting Thomas's most of the time. But now we can measure their performance now versus what it was in their previous lesson. And you can see quite clearly with, 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 with the TrackMan because of the 3D information available and the images, you can see that you're improving. You can see you're getting closer to the hole. Your distance control is getting better. And that feeds confidence into players. And... I'm giving lessons to people now that I haven't given lessons to for almost 25 years, which is interesting. And they're way more receptive to a lesson now than what they were 25 years ago because of the information they're getting. They know where their club head is, they know where their pat is, and it's not a confusing thing. A lot of people may be afraid of, of a, a golf lesson with TrackMan. I think if you have one with TrackMan, there are a couple of other um, measuring devices as well. but. It is the it is the leader in the game, and you look at all of the the tour players. They hardly hit a shot now in practice without one behind them on a range. But when you can measure, when you can see the improvement, it definitely feeds into not only making you a better player, but confidence-wise as well. It's huge because you know you're on the right path. It's proven there in front of you. No, definitely. Like in like, you do have to be careful around what data figures you look at. But that's where you just have to build trust in your pro that. We're working towards the right numbers here. Yeah, well, look, every pro wants to make the player become a better player. There's no question or doubt about that. I would say in this current era, era, it has never been easier for a player to improve. I'm not saying that a pro who doesn't have a track man is, is, is at a disadvantage coaching-wise. 
right? I'm not saying that, but I think it's certainly more beneficial to the player, particularly the, the, the player that's interested to, to see exactly what's going on. When they see it and they go away and they ever think about it, they work on it and they come back and they see improvements, it's 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 uh, emotional effect. No, definitely. Even if you're like attending, if you're attending a lesson, and I suppose the good thing about TrackMan is it records every single shot you take in the thirty minutes, forty-five minutes, hour, whichever you signed up for, and you can see these are the first first ten, everywhere, <laughs> and these are your last ten to twenty, and the dispersion rates come in and your paths improved, versus me going to lesson and go, oh, I think I think it went well. Yeah. You know, I know I hit a couple well. Hmm. And I'll try and do that again. Versus now, it's it's a lot more visual. You can take a report home with you. You know, in some clubs, you can. They might have a simulator on site. I know on the Grange they have. Um, you can actually go to simulatorsports.com and try out the simulator. They're on podcast a while ago. Get in touch with the guy. Um, Lynn's have one. Port Marnock have one. So like, everybody knows Ireland's small. So everyone knows someone in a golf club with a simulator. You can knock in, pay whatever it is to use for the half hour, and work between lessons. Mm. You know, and you can still work on that path etc so i think yeah and that comes back to the whole accessible thing mm, absolutely absolutely yeah so that's that's uh, you know the golf lessons have been transformed there's no doubt about that and and the information is so good i definitely think that um a variety of tee boxes and golf courses as well that that has to be a must because probably golf courses with the length they're at now they may be too long and too difficult for the vast majority of players. Do you know the first thing Americans look at when they're coming over to Ireland and they look to play a course? What's the first thing they look at? I presume they're looking at the yardage. The distance. The distance, yeah. So if anybody watches No Laying Up on their tour sauce um, um, series, let's see series five is coming out soon, series four is the best one in Ireland. The first thing they look at is the yardage and because based on their level they go, well I'm, we want to play 6,000 yards. Hmm. Or we want to play five thousand yards, you know, and uh, so that's interesting. Yeah, I think it is, and I, I, you know, if 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 somebody hits the ball one hundred and seventy yards off the tee versus somebody who's hitting it three twenty, yeah, they shouldn't be playing off the same tee box. And from a, from a level of enjoyment point of view, 100%. yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, and uh, it's it's something we've been slow to react to, but I think. I don't see any issue, and uh, again, I suppose the issue is uh, for the greenkeepers. It makes it a little bit more difficult. But tee boxes, maybe don't have. If you have a number of them, maybe they don't have to be quite as big as what they are. And I think, look, we can educate our players as well that if they do take divots out of them, just repair them there and then, and and and, and get on with it. Um, maybe sometimes for the 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 green speeds, we all like very fast greens, right? maybe they're too fast for, pe- for people that are getting into the game then as well so I think a happy medium is good there even if you're chipping onto a green and if it's lightning fast it suits the better player ten and a half. Ten, yeah. ten and a half is optimal and you know what that is the, that is the speed of the greens for the open well there you go that says a lot yeah. and the links courses obviously have it a little bit slower um, golf courses as, as you can imagine parkland courses trees were planted 50, 60, 70 years ago however old the course was the golf course was wide open at that stage. It has become more difficult because the trees have grown. I wouldn't be a fan of having trees everywhere. I think you need a little bit of room off the tee. Um, I played at Dare Manor there recently, and it, it was the second time I'd played it since uh, J.P. McManus took it over. But the first thing that would strike you there is that there's a huge amount of room off the tee. And visually. 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 Very, very difficult after that, particularly around the greens. But 
it's a more enjoyable game if you have room after tea. I don't care who you are, it's a more enjoyable game. You can still make the golf course a little bit harder without having fairways too tight. And I think it speeds up play as well if the fairways are a little bit wider. Obviously for the greenkeepers there's more cutting involved. But speeding up play is a big part of the game and shortening the courses for the, the people who can't hit it that far because you know you're you're seeing their rounds of four and a half, five hours. It should be three and a half hours max, I would say. If everything was correct yeah another another area as well I, I believe in the in the winter time and a lot of links courses do it now i wouldn't be in favor of bringing out this this sort of mini mat i don't think that's a good idea but i i certainly think that why not for for four or five months in the winter time limit the golfer to five or seven clubs in the bag number one and if you hit the ball on the fairway just place it in the rough just off the side because you're saving the golf course with with a small number of clubs, even for elderly people, you can have a little pencil bag and walk around. And that's actually what I advise anyone who's asked me ever, like, how can I start golf? What should I buy? And I say, well, first of all, go straight to the second hand bin or a charity shop. But like, I started with a seven iron. You know, like I came from pitch and putt, so it was two clubs, very enjoyable. It reduces your amount of forever error in shot selection for a start. But like even when I was in college, I carried a pencil bag up and down between Clare and Cork, and I played college golf with five clubs. Yeah, and, and absolutely, and you it does of course. You get to learn so many different shots when you do that. And look, if 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 you're if any golfer when they play around the golf next Saturday or Sunday, get them to write down afterwards how many clubs that they actually use in the bag. I'll be surprised if they use more than seven. So they're going to have fourteen in the bag. Most of them they rarely use those those clubs. So. But it, it would make a big difference because I think caddy cars and electric caddy cars and buggies in the winter time, I think they're a bad idea. Yeah, it's a tough slog. It is a tough slog and it doesn't do the golf course any favours. And I think I would have I would I would drop off the fairway um all winter for the for the severe months, for for let's say November, December, January, February. I don't think there's anything to be gained from being out there and digging up fairways at that time the of the year. Is bad enough. It is, yeah. You know, wind or rain or Somerphilia or Storm David or whatever's coming in this week. Yeah. So like four or five clubs in a putter. Yeah. And off you go. Yeah. And you'll probably see very little difference in your score. You will. And, 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 and not all of these competitions have to be counting either. You know, it's it's all about getting out for a game as well in the wintertime and protect your course so that it is ready ready to go and hasn't been hammered over the wintertime. I, I, I think that would be a good idea. Um. Look, I suppose uh, the, the, the structure of golf clubs and the way they're run has changed dramatically as well. When I went into the game, it was all volunteer-based. Um, we've went through a period, I suppose, where you've had um, secretary managers, that are, as they're called, or general managers. And directors of golf. So. Directors of golf. And look, when, when, when I was a junior golfer in Charleville Golf Club, and I ended up being the pro there years later, which was an interesting one. But i remember it was it was volunteer based uh, the members were, were serving in the bar there was always a great atmosphere and i suppose the highlight for us as junior golfers was the the, the pro in mallow sean conway who's still the pro there he would come down maybe twice a year and give us a group lesson and he'd start playing all of these trick shots and it was look it was as if a god had appeared in front of you when when he arrived on because uh, you had you had maybe three pros in Cork City at the time, and you had Sean, and you'd nobody then um, between there and Limerick. You would have just had a pro in Castle Trine Limerick. So there are a lot more pros, club pros in the game now as well. But 
things have probably gone backwards slightly again since the recession. You probably haven't as many secretary managers after hitting a peak. It's after falling back a little bit, and it puts a huge strain on the on the volunteers and in the club as well. And I, I've certainly seen where CGI have come on stream and they've made recommendations about councils and uh, boards and ladies' clubs and men's clubs and maybe it's muddled up a bit too much at the moment i just wonder are there too many people involved in the administration administrative side of things and i know a huge amount of work is put in by the committees but maybe we need to have a look at it and take a step back a little bit as well and not have as because you join a golf club to play golf and i suppose you need a certain amount of administration but i think a lot of people get bogged down by it and, and actually they end up not even enjoying their golf and I've seen so many people, you know, put in so much time into committees and, and they leave after they're finished with it and they, they actually are, are I, I, I don't know what way, but they've lost interest because of it. They just get bogged down. So I, I would have a serious look at that again, I would say. I think only your big clubs will have a pro and have a, a, a secretary manager moving forward. But I definitely think that that I would be making committees slightly smaller rather than having uh, having it muddled up with three. I don't I don't see any advantage in that personally. No other people will disagree with me. I don't see any because it adds confusion. That's my view on it. And I would I like a golf club is a simple enough operation, right? You've you've a number of income streams and you've your outgoings. Some clubs are extremely lucky to have huge green fee business. Other clubs are, are extremely lucky to be generating huge membership income and and they're very exclusive places. But don't confuse the issue. Keep it nice and simple. It's all about playing golf, enjoying it. That's where a golf club should be. It should be a place to go for enjoyment. And maybe try and put a bit of time in to try and get your, your teams competing in that. And cr just to create a, um, a good bit of camaraderie more so than anything else, I would say. So I, 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 that, that would be my view on it anyway. I don't think it should be taken quite as seriously maybe as it has been in, in, in certain places. No, I, de I, I definitely agree with you in terms of the outcome of those committees in terms of I would say yes you need structure in a golf okay now I have had zero in engagement in terms of zero involvement with a committee in a golfing sense I have a GA sense and a work sense and I manage a golf society and it's kept very very simple because uh, all I focus on a society point of view which is like a mini golf club where I work is engagement mm. you know and is it attractive for people to come and play golf, right? And that's, you know, requirement number one is the society, you know, is people to show up, you know? So if it's not gonna be an attractive um, offer, they ain't gonna show up. So I suppose my main goal of running a day, I mean, it's only one day in the month, not 30 or 31, is will they have a good day? Would I want to come to this? So I suppose in a lot of golf clubs, great job's been done, great engagement with communities, but then you see other golf courses that have gone out of business and you say, well, why did that happen? And it isn't a reflection of the golf industry at all, if you ask me. It's not an, um, a reflection of the numbers of people playing golf or it's a reflection of that club's or course's engagement with the surrounding community. So the, I, and it's the same, I, I say the same thing when I see businesses close, mm. you know, in terms of what did they do to get people in the door? You know, step one. So maybe those clubs have too many committees, you know? Um, I don't know, I wasn't involved, but I definitely agree with what you're saying in terms of self-evaluate, you know? My first step in terms of growing the game, 
how many of the local schools are we engaged with? Has our club been there? Can we set up like a like a feeder system from that school to our club? You know, and it could be bringing the golf to them. You know, I know that Liam Duggan got arrested did Trojan work in Munster. Oh, yeah. involved in 200 plus schools. I think it's still being run, but I don't know who's involved. I'll find them out, I'll get them on. But in terms of, that's 200 schools, you know, there's 20 plus people in a class, that's, I think, you know, over 20,000 kids playing golf every week, you know, of his own bat. And that's just sheer love of the game. Hmm. Um, so I think that's what's involved. In yeah, what Le- what more engagement. Yeah, what Liam did was phenomenal. And look, it was a very sad situation that, that he was taken the way he was. You know, it was, it was shocking really what happened. But the work is, that he did was unbelievable. And he was feeding, he was he was going into schools everywhere and feeding junior members into clubs that I w- was involved in and a lot of other pros. So huge loss. And I know there there there's certainly an effort to try and keep going what he's what he was doing, but he was full time at that and it was uh, it was amazing what he did. And a lot of those kids you'd see them there now playing in in, in significant tournaments as well. They've all really come on and, and Liam did great work and uh, it's just very sad that he's not here to see it all come to fruition. No, exactly. And I suppose it, he did great work but it's a, it's about everybody else now to, to keep it going. Just in terms of look around your own community, look mm-hmm. around your own circle of golf clubs and you can all help each other. Yeah. You know, in terms of best practices and I would take what are they doing in America to grow the game. That is one of the hardest places to get involved in the game unless you're from an absolute wedge of money mm. you ain't gonna play golf so what are they doing over there clubs and places trying to survive places like Oregon maybe not South Carolina um, just it's just pure money down there but places like Oregon Utah Ohio what are they doing to keep the play going and if you go over and even google it what are they doing it's all events family fun days family fates golf is on the side like you said there come yeah. have a few chips have a few pots that's what they're doing yeah. get people in the door oh no doubt about it and, and, and that's that's what we've got to do there's no doubt about that and I suppose look um, we're here in a driving range it's always the pitch and put is a great place to start get you into the driving range is fantastic as well and certainly here look I've, I've been here since uh, the end of February and even the way it has improved here and with the advent of, of, of bringing top tracer in people are actually playing games of golf here now which is amazing you know so you can play pebble beach in west dublin you can which is which is which is brilliant exactly yeah and some good good scores being shot here as well and it's it's great fun and, and it's great to see four people coming and playing a game in one bay it's something i thought i would never see happening but uh, everybody seems to be enjoying it and it's i suppose if i had one word of advice for anybody if they do go to a driving range if you're getting golf lessons or your process you look you need to practice that with your six iron or your seven iron that's fine but when you're coming to practice in general i would go as far as to say i'd never hit the same club twice because when do you hit the same club twice when you're on the golf course you may hit a driver twice if you hit a ball out of bounds but other than that it's unusual if you're going to hit two seven irons in a row or two six irons in a row so keep varying it because the one area i see with with with, with golfers and and luckily we've, we 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 see a lot of golfers here is that the low point where the club hits its low point in the swing that's a skill that has to be developed and if you develop that with just one club you're not able to shift it over to another club you've got to be able to do it with every one of the clubs so take every club in the bag with you and use them all when you go to the range and aim at different targets just don't hit the same shot time and time again it's different if you're working on a move in your swing with your coach but it, ordinarily if you're practicing that would be my strong advice no doubt about it well that's ex- exactly it and i suppose anyone that i go to the range with i'm very methodical about how i approach my range session it's like i definitely get a large bucket of balls right you can't give me enough of that but it would be the way i approach it so 
I I go in three bars at a time. So the first thing I do is I take them out three bars at a time, and I'd have three bars per club. Okay. And yeah. It'd be half a swing, three quarters swing, full swing. Well, that's very good. You know. Yeah. Very simple. And then after that, once I get through each club, I'm done. And that's my technical work done. I've hit a few good shots. I've worked on where the club bottoms out, and then I just I start shaping shots. Can I hit the one twenty? Can I hit the one fifty? Can I make this one go left to right? Can I make? Can I hit a low one? Right. Because um, that's what you're going to have to do in the court, you've been thinking your feet. And the best thing about driving bay is, you know, I'll get a perfect line. So it's no better time to practice it. Yeah. <laughs> if anything, it's probably, you know, you need yeah. to get a few. Um, you do need to get some slopes as well, yeah. Slope yeah, yeah. And, and don't be afraid when you're out on the golf course to throw down a couple of balls behind the uh, trees there and try and maneuver the golf ball and that. Because so, so look, some of the players have become very robotic as well, some of the top players. And what happens the day that you don't hit the ball as well as you normally do? I've seen some of them just chipping out sideways. You can get a little bit more out of it on occasion. Obviously, on other times you can't. But just try and be a bit creative as well and, and develop skill. And I would definitely say, Parag, that, as I said to you there earlier on, try and become very good or brilliant at one aspect of the game. But I suppose everybody can become brilliant at putting if they really want to be become. And it's... I don't see enough people on the putting greens. You see very few people practicing their putting. It's it's the club you're 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 going to use forty percent of the time. The, that's the number one most used club. The second most used club is your driver. And you'll see people hitting eight irons or seven irons or six irons all of the time in the driving range. It's the putter number one and the driver number two. I would say. Now, obviously, you've got to become a good chipper. You've got there's so many different departments, but try and practice a little bit smarter as well. So my question to you is that if why aren't driving ranges and golf courses granted the golf course will have a putting green but in this country why aren't we investing in an indoor putting facility that's my big not yeah right but i'm like where is it and yeah maybe i just have to make a bunch of money and retire and i'll i'll open it yeah well i i certainly think in dublin there is a, there's an opening for a for a short game dome right there like we've got a dome here which was an indoor tennis court and it's a, an indoor uh, five-side soccer pitch here now but I think a, a short game area where you've got bunkers and mounds and greens and maybe a couple of simulators in there as well and a, a big putting green of AstroTurf, to me it's crying out for it. Someplace, if, if, if it could be done here I think it would be brilliant but it's it's crying out for that. Every golfer in the country making, what do they call it? Um, uh, Jesus. What do they call it in religious in religious circles? They call it. Uh, oh, Jesus! The word's gone from here. Okay, yeah, yeah. They'd all be making trip to Mecca's. Oh yeah, that's it. Mecca for golf and yeah, indoor facility hits full wet shots. Yeah, 80, 90 yards down to thirteen yards. Yes, and a, like you said, a big potting green. You could have six or seven people on. On it, yeah. And oh my man, it would be fantastic. And then uh, I've spoken to Peter Larry a few times about this and. Like he has mentioned to me, he said the biggest problem with that, there will be, end up with too many golf balls on the green. So many people will be here. That would be the biggest thing. You'd probably have to stop play for a couple of minutes and get all the golf balls off again. But that would be a good complaint. Like there's a great facility I mentioned the second time on this podcast. I mentioned on every podcast, but the facility in Lynch, you book your time. Okay. So you slot in like you would for Top Tracer here. Yes. You book your half hour or an hour slot. And that's when you do go do your, your yeah. And that looks an amazing time. facility. I haven't been down to see it yet, but it looks fantastic. We talk to the GM. Yeah, yeah, good man, good man. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. No, now, uh, as as everyone that comes on is subject to a Spanish Inquisition style Q and A, 
So I hope you've prepared for this one. I'm not prepared for this, but so let's see what happens. So quick for a Q&A, David Keating style, what would your walk-on song be? Well, I suppose being a Cork man, it would have to be something to do with Cork, and I'd have to go with a pipe band that buys from County Cork. I'll find that one. Find that one, yeah. Jim or pizza? Pizza. Hat, visor, or bucket hat? Visor. Happy Gilmore or Tim Cook? Happy Gilmore. Guinness or Heineken? Guinness. Lynch or Port Marner? This will disappoint you, Port Marner. Oh, disappointing here. Walk or cat? Walk. Win the Masters or win the Open? Win the Masters. Drive it like DJ Dustin Johnson or drive it like Zach Johnson? Dustin. Instagram or Twitter? Twitter. Play or practice? Play. Thank you very much, David. Thanks for your time. Thank Great you, Patrick. Around golf in Ireland and massive ideas, and hopefully we'll get some traction on some of them. That's great. We'll have you on again. Thank you very much, Patrick. Really enjoyed it. And best of luck with your podcast again. You're doing brilliant work. Thank you. For me, that was a really interesting conversation with David Keating in Spawell Golf Centre, which is getting better and better with scope for massive growth and um, getting more and more people into the game. What I would like you to all do, if you can, is just get involved. I would love to hear your opinions on what myself and David discussed there over the past 30, 35 minutes, all around how to get more golfers, especially junior golfers, into the game. We accept and recognize that the GOI is doing fantastic, fantastic work all in those areas. But we're more so saying, what can the community do? What can golf clubs and courses do themselves to get more people, juniors, ladies, and uh, seniors alike into the game? What do you think about that stat around Korea and uh, 80% of golfers coming from simulators? Given the weather in this country, sounds like a viable option. Also, in terms of committees, they do fantastic work, but is there sometimes too many cooks? So all of those opinions, get them in to me on Instagram or Twitter, at Paddy underscore golf. Thank you all for pressing play. Thank you all for getting involved. Thank you for listening. Hit the show a follow, rate and review it if that is indeed your style. Most of all, please share the show with your family and friends. Thank you for pressing play. Until we tee up again soon. Oh, hold on. I actually have a giveaway at the moment on Instagram. So head over there. There is a giveaway post. It's very Christmassy. Get involved. involves tagging some people and reviewing a certain podcast. So please do that. So yeah, until we tee up again soon, I'm Paddy. Paddy.